Alright. So how is everybody? Good. Very good? Alright, so we are continuing our sermon series going through the book of James called Where Faith Meets Life. What we've been looking at is just how uh, our faith applies to all aspects of our life. It's not just kind of one part, but it's something that influences every part. And so what we are going to look at more tonight is that our faith should lead us to action. And so we're going to be looking at a passage in James chapter 2, verses 14 through 26, about how our faith without works is dead and kind of what that means. But before I jump into that, I want to ask y'all a question. I want to hear personal feedback from y'all is who is someone that is influential to you? It could be someone that directly influences you. It could be someone you see from afar that influences you. My dad. Okay. Why? Uh, try to be like his everyday walk. Okay. Who's someone that's influential to you? Like I said, it could be someone that directly influences you, like a family member, friend. It could be someone you see from a distance that's like maybe a lot more popular, a celebrity, if you will. Like who's someone that you consider influential? Hmm? Aaron. Aaron? Okay. Why? Um, I just feel like she's like the picture of what like a godly woman should be. Okay. And like, I think as teenage girls, it's important to have that in your life so you can mm-hmm. strive to be like that. Okay. Anybody else? Anybody have someone really influential that, that means a lot to you personally? For... For me, someone that means a lot to me where I came from is, is a youth pastor in my last church called Pastor Mark Young. He's someone that took me under his wing and just really meant a lot. And so, like, kind of what y'all said, he embodied a lot of what I truly wanted to be. Like, my desire was being a pastor, especially being a student pastor, and just how he walked daily. How not just seeing him preach on Wednesday night, but just kind of seeing his daily walk behind the scenes, being his intern, just seeing the habits he would have and the prayer he would have, the, the scripture that he would memorize, his quiet time he would have. And I would say a big part of that, what y'all said, is would y'all say the people that you consider influential, would you say they hold beliefs that are strong to them? Like they hold convictions that are really strong to them. And how do you know that they hold strongly to those convictions? They, they show it through their actions, right? Like if someone claims to be really strong about a belief, they're going to show it through how they live their life, right? That if someone claims that, that if they proclaim that they are truly a strong believer in whatever, that, that they'll show it through their actions. That they believe these convictions so strongly that it would be evident through the actions they would have. And so I want us to relate that back to our faith that if our faith truly means something to us, then it will lead to action. That we will be people of conviction like we see like with our parents, with Aaron, with pastors, with coaches, teachers, leaders, things like that. That these beliefs we hold on to, that we proclaim to have faith in Christ, that that will be evident by how we live our life. And so here's what I want us, the main point of us to get tonight is this. Is that true faith in Christ will lead to total obedience to Christ. 
So on, on your note, on your uh, on your notes that you have, it says like a main point right underneath the title. And the main point is this of this whole sermon is true faith in Christ will lead to total obedience to Christ. Because the thing is, is we as as fallen and, and sinful human beings were prone to wanting to live our lives for ourselves rather than Christ. Right? That that we kind of we want to believe in Christ and we want to receive the benefits of Christ, but then we want to keep him at arm's distance and really not exactly live for him. That we try to be nominal Christians, if you will. But what we will look at tonight is that if our faith does not lead us to action, then we have to do some reevaluation of our faith. So again, we are in James chapter 2, looking at verses 14 through 26. Uh, the verses are printed on the back side of those notes of yours. So that we can go through it together. So again, we're looking at James chapter 2. Verses 14 through 26. This is the word of the Lord. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without getting them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself does not have works is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on that altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And the same way was also was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also apart from the works from works is dead. Let's pray real quick. Dear God, I just pray for tonight. I just pray over these next few minutes that you will just free us of distractions. Anything that could be going on at home, anything that could be going on around us, anything that could be capturing our mind away from this, I pray that you will just uh, help us focus on you tonight and help us focus on your word. Help us strengthen our faith and help us live out our faith more to where our faith will not be dead, but our faith will be full of life, pointing others to true life in Christ. So I pray over these next few minutes, you will open up our eyes to see, open up our hearts to listen, um, open up our ears to listen, our hearts to receive what you have to tell us tonight, and that we will live this out. So I pray that I will hide behind your word and just let your word speak for itself, that people don't remember opinions, but they remember your truth that comes from your word. So I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so there is two truths that James wants us to get out of this passage. That, okay, if true faith leads to total obedience in Christ, then there's two truths we must understand. And the first one is this. Faith without acts of mercy is a dead faith. So faith without acts of mercy is a dead 
faith. So again, this passage, 14 through 26, is continuing from what we talked about last week. How last week we looked at James 2, 1 through 13 about the sin of favoritism and how there was the rich man and the poor man that came into the same church assembly and yet the poor man was treated the exact same way as he was out in the world. He was treated poorly and the rich man was treated really well. And so this is kind of continuing into that. It's also a carryover from a few weeks ago when we talked about James 1, 19 through 26 about not just being hearers of the word but being doers of the word. And so James is continuing that of what this looks like, just giving us more examples, in this case, of what we shouldn't be doing, but how our faith should be lived out. And so I want us to say from the start, I want us to understand this, is, is, is to understand faith and works. By what James means by works, when he uses that term works, is he's talking about like deeds or acts that fulfill the law of love. It's like how last week we talked about that law of love was, hey, love your neighbor as yourself. And so when he talks about works, he's talking about like deeds or acts that like fulfill that love, like loving your neighbor as yourself. And as we saw last week, obviously we can't love our neighbor until we love God first. And so from the start, it's, it's careful, it's important that we understand that, that James is not saying that works earns us our salvation, okay? From the start, James is not saying works earns us our salvation. So doing these different acts does not help us obtain salvation in Christ. But instead, what we're going to see is that these acts, these deeds, these like fulfilling the law of love, that's what's going to show the genuineness of our faith. Okay? So the first one is this. is like there's this poor person analogy from the very start. Okay? He says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food... And one of you just says to him, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body. What good is that? And so James gives you another illustration about just a poor person that's right in front of these people that it's basic needs. Hey, they're, they're cold. They need warm clothing. They're hungry. They need daily food. But how does this person respond? He just says, oh, hey, uh, go in peace, be warmed and filled. Basically what that meant at that time is kind of like a Jewish phrase just to dismiss someone. Pretty much saying like wishing them well. It would be the equivalent of today. If we see someone in front of us that is cold and needs warm clothing, is hungry and needs food, and we go, oh, well, uh, best wishes. Have a nice day. That would kind of be the equivalent of today. Is just seeing someone, we see someone in need. We see basic human needs. They need clothing. They need food. But instead of giving them that basic human need, we're just like, well, uh, I wish you the best. Bye. That doesn't profit anyone. So, so imagine this. Who, who's a big fan of Chick-fil-A? Who really loves Chick-fil-A? All right. So let's, so let's imagine this for a sec. Guys, it's focusing. I know it's exciting. So imagine, imagine this. Imagine this same needy person's in front of you. Hey, I'm really like hungry. Can you give me any food? Well, let me tell you about all how incredible Chick-fil-A is. Do you know how they make their waffle fries and how it's in peanut oil and how great it is? Yeah, but can, can, I like, can I have some of that food? Yeah, but let me tell you about their chicken sandwiches and how great they are and how they make them. Isn't it wonderful? Yeah, but like I need food right now. Can I have what you're talking about? Yeah, but dude, they're better than Popeye's. Have you heard about that? Like they're incredible. Like, and if you've seen their uniforms, they're super comfy and tight. Well, I'm really like, I really need clothing. Can you kind of give that to me right now? Well, hey, look, Chick-fil-A is the best. Am I right? All right, bye. How would that be helpful at all? Like, right? Like it's like 
you see a basic need in front of them. Like they're saying what they need. And you're just going on and on about something you feel strongly about. It, in a sense, the same, as a silly as illustration as it is, in, in the same way, it'd be equivalent of, hey, we see someone with a human need in front of us. Like, they need clothes. Like, they're cold and they need clothes. Well, Jesus clothes us in righteousness. Okay? Well, you know, I just, I'm really hungry. I need some food. Well, Jesus is the bread of life. And he's, he's, he's living water. That might be true. Yes, that's very true. And, like, that is important. But we have to back that up by giving basic human needs to people. Like, yes, it's important that we believe the gospel, but it's also important that we live out the gospel. Yes, like, it's important that we love God, but also says to love our neighbor. And one way we can practically love our neighbors is by caring for them. Like, what we saw last week is that we care for the least of these. People that might be lower in society. People that might seem odd or weird or just the lesser thans in society by caring for them. So let me ask you this. Are you quick to tell others how great Jesus is without being the hands and feet of Jesus in the process? Like, how quick are you to say, hey, I'll pray for you, but forget it, never truly pray for them. Or even try to come alongside them and help them through that. How, how Paul says in Romans 10, 15, just how beautiful are those feet that go and preach the gospel. But what he means by that is they're not just preaching the gospel with their mouths, they're preaching the gospel with their lives. By being the hands and feet of Jesus, by meeting people where they are. Because this kind of carries over, this has been a theme kind of threaded throughout, is that we are to care for the least of these in society. How James is talking about a true saving faith is one that cares for the least of these. How in James 1, 27, he said, hey, a religion that is pure and undefiled is one that cares for widows and orphans. Or how we saw last week in verses 1 through 13 of chapter 2 about loving our neighbor as ourselves. How it's not loving people for what we can get out of it. It's not loving people how we best see fit, but it's loving people how God loved them. How Jesus hung out with tax collectors and prostitutes and lepers and the least of these and cared for them. Or uh, in Matthew 25, 31 through 40, Jesus talks about like, who will inherit the kingdom of God and what true faith is. And how there are people that say, hey, Lord, Lord, like we knew you. And Jesus says, I, I don't know who you are. Like I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was cold and you didn't clothe me. I was in prison and you never visited me. I was thirsty and you never gave me water. And they say, but, but Jesus, when were you thirsty? When were you hungry? When, when were you alone in prison? And Jesus says, for those you do to the least of these, you do to me. And that's an important theme that we're to carry out, is that, is that if we truly claim to be followers of Christ, then we will follow the example that he set before us, which is to go to the least of these and to care for them. To meet them where they are at on their turf and meet their basic needs. In, in fact, um, in 1 John 3, 17 through 18, it goes so much further saying, hey, like if you have like the worldly goods, like if you have all these worldly goods, you have all these possessions and you can help someone, you see a brother and sister in need and you don't care for them, then how is that ever loving? Like is the love of God truly in that person? And then he goes on to say, let us not love people in just like words, but let us love people in truth and deeds. Because we're going to look at is that if we truly have a saving faith, if we have truly encountered the Lord Jesus Christ and have been truly impacted by him, 
impacted by the cross, impacted by the gospel, then it will compel us to go out and care for others. That will lead us to live out that faith. Not to like earn more brownie points with God, but because we love God so much that we want to live for him. So again, in verse 18, James starts talking about faith and works. Where it says, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. But show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. So in this, what James is explaining, he's not explaining the difference between faith and works. What he is explaining is he's explaining the difference between faith with works and faith without works. The difference between those two. What is this? Faith with works is true faith. But faith without works is false faith. What it's saying is, is that faith, if we truly have faith in Christ, it will lead to action. <clears throat> that if we have truly been saved by the gospel, that gospel will compel us and transform our hearts to then go out and live out that faith. James goes even further in verse 19 where he talks about, he says, hey, look, you believe that God is one and you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. So at this time, there were a lot of like, polytheistic beliefs basically what polytheistic means is like multiple gods so like christianity is monotheistic we believe there is one god and so what he's saying is in this time of all these different beliefs that people could say he's saying okay you believe that there's one god okay that that's awesome like that's great that you believe there's one god that that you're true on that but but it has to go further than that you can't just say okay i believe in there is one god i believe that there is just one jesus that's it that's great but it has to go Further, our faith cannot just be a knowledge of God. Our faith cannot just be a verbal commitment to God. Instead, our faith must be lived in obedience to God. That we understand who he is. And we understand what he's done for us. And in turn, we want to live for him. Because James even says this. He says, okay, you believe there's one God. That's great. But even the demons believe that there is one God. And they shudder at that. Think about this. Even the demons know that there's only one true God. But they're not doing anything for God. In fact, they're doing everything to rebel against God. It, it actually made me think of a phrase a Sunday school teacher of mine said when I, was in, uh, when I was in high school where he says, if you are not doing something for God, you're doing something for Satan. That if we're not doing anything for God, then, then what, are we, what are we doing? In fact, think about this. Just in these first few verses that we've read and looked at, James says a faith that does not lead to acts of mercy. In verse 14, does not save. In verse 16, does no good. And in verse 17, is dead. Does this describe your faith? Like, does like your faith in Christ compel you to go take care of other people and the least of these and to love those people, to meet basic needs? If it doesn't, it's a, you can come back to Christ tonight. It's, it's not to say, it's not to condemn, but it's to help us understand, okay, what are we truly living out our faith? And if not, how can we reevaluate it, come back to Christ, be forgiven, and come back to him? Because here's the beautiful thing, is let's say, let's say maybe we have not been living out this faith that we proclaim to have in Christ. That if we repent of those sins we've been doing, and we turn to Christ, Christ is still merciful to us. 
that he still shows acts of mercy to us by dying on the cross. And that we can come back to him, be forgiven, and be renewed to then go out and show a world what true mercy is. Because like we said in this first main point, faith without acts of mercy is a dead faith. But another thing that works does is it leads to our second point, is obedience shows the genuineness and the validity of one's faith. That obedience shows the genuineness and validity of one's faith. Basically, it's showing how real your faith is. Like how real, like how seriously do you take your faith? How real is your faith? That's what validity stands for? Hmm? That's what validity is? Yeah, so it's like, it's like showing how real your faith is. It's like showing like it's the real deal. It's like kind of how you say like, okay, you don't just talk the talk, you walk the walk. Like don't just tell me about it, show, show me. Don't just talk about it, be about it. And so that's what James is talking about here is that obedience, obedience to Christ shows a true genuineness and validity of our faith in Christ. Because again, a faith that does not lead to a life of obedience, as James says, is dead and useless. So kind of what he does to describe this is he compares two huge Old Testament people, is Abraham and Rahab. Two, might I add, polar opposite people, if you will, in the Jews' eyes. Think about this. Abraham was like a hero to them. Abraham was the father of the nations. All right? Like, he is like the starter of a lot of this. And James is comparing Abraham and his faith to Rahab, a prostitute, and her faith. Just how two polar opposites those are in so many different ways. But here's what he does. He shows the genuineness of their faith. That they did not just believe that God is one, like verse 19 says, but they also lived out that belief. So look what it says about Abraham. Is that it says in verse 21, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works. And faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. So think about this. All right. Abraham, right? Everybody kind of remember the story of Abraham where God's like, hey, I'm going to make you the father of many nations, like more than the stars in the sky, more than the sands on the beach. And it took him forever to have a son. Right. He did not have a son until like his 90s. All right, think about how crazy that is in nowadays terms. If someone had a baby in their 90s, like God says, I'm promising you a child. And he was faithful to give him this child, his one only child, Isaac. And then God turns right around and says, okay, just to show your genuine belief in me, I want you to sacrifice Isaac. That's pretty deep, isn't it? Like, that's pretty crazy, isn't it? But you know what happens? Abraham still obeys and still walks Isaac up and was going to offer him on the altar. And of course, obviously, obviously God stopped and provided a ram. But you know what it showed? It showed that Abraham's faith was genuine. It showed that Abraham's faith was genuine, that he believed God is the one true God he will provide. Hey, look, I waited until I was in my 90s before I got a son. Okay, I will trust him. And he lived it out. He lived out that faith. Abraham's faith was active. Through acts of obedience to God. Same as Rahab. Uh, Rahab in, in verse 25, And in the same way was also not Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. 
Again, Rahab believed in the one true God and helped along the way. And helped with this. Helped the spies out by not getting caught. These people were willing to give up stuff to serve God because they truly believed in it. Like, they went beyond just saying, yeah, 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 I have faith in God. They went beyond just having a verbal commitment. They said, no, okay, then if that's what you call for, then I'll give that up to follow you. Let me ask you this. Are, are you willing to give up everything to follow Jesus? What if God asked you to, rent, to surrender something really valuable to you? Are you willing to lay it down on the altar for him? If God asked you to give up sports, if God asked you to give up school, if God asked you to give up money, if God asked you to give up relationships, if God asked you to move, if God asked you to give up something so valuable to him, are you willing to do that? Or like we talked about how there's the food bank. Are you willing to wake up early on a Saturday morning in the cold and help serve the least of these? Because here's what James is talking about. How, how we hear phrases like, okay, his, his faith or his works justified his faith. Or his faith was completed through his works. This is not, again, it's not saying that works earn salvation. It is not saying works obtain salvation or earn more brownie points with God. That's not what this is saying. What it's saying is, is that when, when these people lived out their faith, it was perfecting their faith. When they acted in obedience, it was maturing their faith in Christ. So like another one, works does not, us, does not help us earn more with Christ. Works help us become more like Christ. So again, we're, we're not doing these works to just like earn more brownie points with God or to earn just those extra little things to have like a special place, a special relationship with Christ. Because the thing is, Jesus has already done all the work. There's nothing we can do to obtain salvation. And even after we're saved, it is all Christ. He's the one that saves us. He's the one that helps us become more like him. All these type of things. So what we do is we do these works to help us become more like Christ. We see that there's nothing I can do. Jesus has paid it all. And so I'm going to live for him. Again, we do these works, we do these acts of obedience to become more like Christ, to mature our faith. In fact, in Philippians 2, 12, Paul says, how, hey, work out your faith through fear and trembling. What that fear means, it's like an awe of God. Like we are so inspired by God. We love God so much. We are so encouraged by God that we live for him. That's where to work out. It's to help us mature our faith in Christ. Another thing is, here's this. Works are a necessary byproduct of true saving faith. Works are a necessary byproduct of true saving faith. Basically, what that means is that if we have truly been saved by Christ, if our hearts truly have been captured by the cross, if our lives have truly been just impacted by the weight of the gospel, then that will naturally lead us to acts of service to obedience to Christ. That's what it'll lead to. That when we understand our faith is in Jesus Christ alone, that is how we are saved. That we want to do everything we can to strengthen that faith in Him, since He is the object of our faith. Since He is the sole thing that we believe in. Let me ask you this. What are you doing to strengthen and mature your faith right now? 
What are things in your doing in your life right now to think about to yourselves? What are things in your doing in your life right now to help you mature and strengthen your faith? How's, how's reading your Bible going? How active is your prayer life? How much do you look out just for the least of these and take time to maybe say, hey, or care for them? Or maybe something else to think about is do, do, do we choose to go on Extreme Winter and M Feuds and these other things just to earn more brownie points with Christ? Is that our mentality? Or is it more of, you know what, Christ has shown all these things to me and has loved me as someone who is also the least of these. So I in turn want to go show this love to other people. Because you see, faith cannot be a verbal commitment, but an active obedience to show and strengthen one's faith. Finally, James emphasizes even one, the importance of faith to show one's faith by saying faith without works is like a body without a spirit. So in verse 26, it says, For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Think about this. If there is just a body and there's no spirit in it, it's what? It's dead. It, D-E-D, dead. All right? Dead. Yes, you heard me say that right. D-D, dead. Because <coughs> again, we say, well, it's a body. That's there, but there's no life in it. We can say all day long, that's a person, it's a life, it's nothing else. But if there's no spirit in it, there's no life in it. Same thing. We could say, I have faith all day long. Hey, I have faith in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. I believe all these things. That's great. That's awesome. How is it shown through your life? Does it lead to work? Does it lead to works? Not to earn salvation, but to become more like Christ. That when we say, okay, I have faith in Jesus. Okay, what are we doing to be the hands and feet of Jesus? How are we becoming more like him? Again, faith without works is dead. Faith that does not lead to action is dead. Think about this. Over these few verses, over between 14 and 26, James describes that a faith proclaiming to believe in Christ but does not lead to obedience to Christ is a faith that does not save, does no good, dead, and useless. What he's saying is that if we are to be followers of Christ, he has called us higher. That yes, again, the first important step is that you have faith in Christ. That you repent of your sins and you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's great. Now it must go beyond that. It must go beyond, okay, now that we have been saved by grace, we have been saved by Jesus, what are we doing now to pursue Jesus every single day? In fact, in Luke 9, 23, what... Jesus says to his followers that if anyone would come after me, if anyone proclaimed to be a follower of me, you must do these three things. You must deny yourself, pick up your cross daily, and follow me. Is that we must deny our own selves. We must deny our own desires. We must deny what we truly want, our old way of living. We must pick up our cross. What do you mean by pick up our cross? It's, it's picking up our cross, making our faith our own. Not our parents' faith. Not our grandparents' faith, not our pastor's faith, not our small group leader's faith, not our Sunday school teacher's faith. Our faith. We must pick up our cross. We must do it daily. Daily. You know what daily means? Every day. 
Not just Sunday morning and Wednesday night. Not just Christmas and Easter. Not just when things are most convenient for us. Not just when life is going great. It must be a daily habit of denying ourselves, pick up a cross and following him. Following him wherever he may take us. We have no clue where Jesus could take us. But we follow in obedience knowing that he is worth it. Knowing that he is worth everything. That giving up everything pales in comparison to him because he is worthy. So let me ask you this. How does your faith look? How, how is your faith looking? Is, is, does your faith compel you and lead you to living for him? Or do you try to say you proclaim Christ, you believe Christ, you love Christ, you want all the benefits of Christ, but then you kind of keep him at an arm's distance? That he's just reserved for an Instagram bio or maybe a caption on a post here and there or maybe just wearing a necklace, things like that. Does it go beyond that? Does your faith in Christ go beyond a verbal commitment? Does it lead to action? And so here's, here is what I want to implore everybody tonight. Implore just, here's what I beg of y'all. Here's what I ask of y'all tonight. Maybe there's some of you in here that tonight you've been hearing about this faith and realize, wow, I, I don't know if I have faith to begin with after, after hearing all this described. I have good news for you. That can change tonight. Is that if you will repent of your sins, repent of your old way of living, repent of these ways that you've been living, and you believe in Jesus, his finished work on the cross, that he truly was the Son of God, that he truly came to die on the cross, was resurrected, and is going to come back, that you believe in him and all these done. If you repent of your sins and believe that, you can be saved tonight and have a true saving Maybe there's some of you in here tonight that you have proclaimed faith in Christ, but you are struggling. It's difficult. You realize there's stuff that holds you back from truly being able to live for him. That there might be stuff, yes, that gets in your way of being able to go higher as God calls us to. And it's difficult. And, and you feel that weight and you feel that conviction. You feel that heavy on yourself. I'm here to tell you, it's, it's okay. God is not mad at you. God is not sitting up in heaven just waiting to smite us. You know what he waits for? He waits and he longs for us to come home to him. He loves to show acts of mercy on us. That even, even when we're not maybe showing acts of mercy, he loves being able to bestow mercy on us. Because like we saw last week, mercy triumphs over judgment. Because Jesus took on the judgment that all of us deserve. And loves to show mercy on us and forgive us. You know what it says in Matthew eleven twenty eight? 28? It says, hey, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Maybe that's some of you in here tonight. You believe in Christ, and you're just tired. You're exhausted. There's all these different things, and it's difficult. Run to Jesus. He longs to welcome you back home. He longs to wrap you in his arms. He longs to show you mercy, to raise you up. So then you can go out and show just how incredible he is by his power. Maybe there's some of you in here that, yes, you are a follower of Christ and you're a faithful following and you're always looking for ways to continue to grow in your faith. That is awesome. My encouragement to you, keep running. Keep growing. Keep strengthening your faith. Keep serving. Keep going at it because I know there's days exhausting. I know there's days it's difficult, but it is worth it because Jesus is worth it, that he will strengthen you. He will give you all you need to live 
for him. And he might be even able to strengthen you and encourage you to come alongside someone else that needs that same encouragement. That he might empower you to go to other people, the least of these, that need it in their time of need. It could be even someone here tonight that you need to encourage, to come alongside, to pray for. For us to become more of the family that God has called us to be for here at LSM. So here's what I want us to do now. Is just at the bottom of your page, bottom of your notes, you see that there is a few lines for a response. Maybe there is something that has stuck out to you tonight that means a lot to you. Maybe there's something you've heard that has convicted you or you need to give something up to God. Maybe there's something you have heard, okay, like this is what I need to repent of. Maybe there's been an encouragement that has helped strengthen your faith. Maybe there's just a simple prayer you need to pray to God or someone to go talk to about stuff. I just want to give you over the next few minutes is just to write out your response. Whatever it could be, doesn't matter. What I'll do is over these next few minutes as you're writing that down, Caleb and Nat are going to come up and they're going to play one last song that we're all going to sing together. And then after we're done singing the song, we will be dismissed after that. What I want to do is I just want to give you these next few minutes to write out this response. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray. I'll give you a few minutes to respond. <coughs> Caleb and Nat are going to come up and play a song. You can stand up whenever you're ready and sing with them when they sing. It could be... During the time, all of it, none of it, doesn't matter. It's however God is leading you through this, okay? This is between you and God right now. Not anybody else around you. Not anybody in front of you or anything else like that. Just between you and God. So I'm going to pray, and then we'll go into a time of response, okay? Dear Lord, thank you so much for your son, Jesus. Thank you that even at times our faith can be weak. That even at times our faith can just be tired then even at times that we might not be fully faithful to you, that you are still faithful. We are so thankful for that. We thank you that you never give up on us. We thank you that you continue to show your mercies that are new every single day in our lives. And I just pray that you help us live for you, that here at LSM, we will be living, we will be active, we will be pursuing you, we will be helping grow each other together as we pursue you and grow more at the men and women you have called us to be. That we will go to the least of these, that we will go serve those in our society that needs it the most, that we won't just talk about it, but we will be about it. That our faith will be accompanied by works, not to earn anything, but to become more like you and to show you to a world that is in such desperate need for you. So I pray, Lord, that we will build our lives upon this love that you have shown us. You will build our lives upon the love that Jesus has shown us on the cross and we will show that love to those around us in acts of service to you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.